Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I'm Mark Anthony, and this is Demolition News Radio, episode 109. In this episode, nothing but a sideshow. This podcast is sponsored by WillowHire.com, the UK's leader in dust suppression equipment. Kick the dust into touch with our new, bigger and better all-in-one dust suppression units for hire. Call Willow on 01582 840045. Way, way back in 1983, I went to see the band Wham! play the Lyceum Ballroom in The Strand in London. For those of you too young to remember, Wham! were a band formed by George Michael and Andrew Ridgely. George Michael was every inch the 80s pop star. He was an accomplished singer and songwriter. He could play piano. He was charismatic. He had stage presence. He was the consummate performer. Andrew Ridgely looked quite good in a feeler tracksuit. During one song that night in 1983, Andrew Ridgely spotted someone in the crowd about to take his photo. With one deft move, he threw his guitar over his shoulder to pose for the photo. The music didn't change. To this day, I'm not entirely sure if the guitar was even plugged in. That, in my head at least, is a perfect metaphor for the demolition industry and the NFDC. On one side of the stage, you have George Michael, constantly working, honing his craft, tirelessly inventing and reinventing himself, and giving the public precisely what they want, not unlike the way in which modern demolition professionals are required to work. Stage left is Andrew Ridgely, contributing pretty much nothing and yet taking a hefty cut of the royalties. Little wonder that George Michael chose to go solo just a few years later. Demolition News Radio, the independent voice of the global demolition industry. Even as Patrick Williamson's self-nomination plopped into the NFDC headquarters mailbox, and before news broke of ousted President Paul Brown's re-employment and possible return, there was a distant rumble. It was a rumble of wagons being circled to ensure that stalking horse Williamson was headed off at the pass and that any thought of Paul Brown returning as president were snuffed out even before they began. Of course, presidential responsibility passing to Martin O'Donnell and Holly Price is precisely why the Federation has a vice president and a second vice president. That is how succession works. Patrick Williamson is popular among members, but his self-nomination was always likely to be nothing more than an opportunity for those members to express their discontent via a protest vote. And the return of an ousted NFDC president would have been unprecedented. Mind you, ousting one in the first place is itself unprecedented. And as has become patently obvious in recent months, the Federation seems to have no issue with changing the rules when and how it sees fit. But having fought to get Brown out since November last year, there seemed little chance that he'd be welcomed back, even though he's now back in employment with a respected NFDC member company. I don't know Martin O'Donnell, so I can't speak for or about him. But I'm sure he didn't get to be vice president for nothing. And I understand that he acquitted himself with considerable aplomb when he chaired this week's meeting. I have enormous respect for Holly Price, for all that she's accomplished within Kelpbrae and for the way in which she's conducted herself during the Federation's recent machinations. I can only hope that having to take up the baton almost a year early doesn't impact too heavily upon their respective business and personal lives. And if this proves to be the final, final line in the sand, then maybe we can all just get on with our lives. Then again, 
Just how much have our lives actually been affected by the recent developments within the NFDC? Most of the recent meetings of the Federation have been given over to the matter of the President. It was the main topic of conversation at the extraordinary general meeting. It was the main talking point at the AGM just a few weeks later. And it's been hotly debated at regional level up and down the country to the exclusion of just about everything else. And did any of it actually matter? Have you found yourself short of demolition work because the Federation was busy discussing whether Paul Brown should stay or go? Have you seen a mass exodus of staff because the NFDC has been between presidents? Have your sites been rendered less safe or secure because the Federation was temporarily rudderless? Of course not. None of that has happened because the NFDC has precious little to do with actual demolition. It is detached from the sector it was created to represent. It operates in a bubble adjacent to, but on the very periphery of the industry. And it's of interest only to those that choose to take an interest. The NFDC is the demolition equivalent of the British political system. A bunch of, mostly, men meet and get very excited about this, that and the other. The media is endlessly fascinated by all of this, and it gathers together the excited and angry men and women to find out what they're excited and angry about. And all the while, the rest of us get on with our daily lives, utterly apathetic to all the anger and excitement and to those that generate it. Demolition News Radio, putting your finger on the pulse of the industry. Given all that I've said above, you could question why I have devoted so many column inches on demolitionnews.com to the inner machinations of the NFDC. You would be right in asking why I've given over several episodes of Demolition News Radio to share with you my thoughts and feelings on the way in which Paul Brown was treated and the way in which the wishes of paying members of the NFTC are being ignored. And the truth is, I have no answer and I have no defence. There have been times in recent months when I've genuinely felt like one of those awful people that slows down in their car to have a really good look at a road traffic accident. And I don't know why. I have no dog in this particular fight. The outcome has nothing whatsoever to do with me or with Demolition News, Demolition TV, Demolition Magazine or Demolition News Radio. It has very little to do with any of our readers, listeners, viewers or subscribers either. Possibly through morbid fascination, I've just been unable to look away. But in doing so, I've let you down. I've let myself become distracted by the inner workings of an organisation that represents just a quarter of all UK demolition companies. I've been caught up in politics, infighting and manoeuvring that has nothing whatsoever to do with day-to-day demolition. I've allowed myself to be seduced into pursuing an agenda that, even if it was successful, would have no effect at all on 99% of the subscribers to demolitionnews.com. In the same way that no one tunes into Match of the Day to hear about the political infighting at the Football Association, no one visits demolitionnews.com to find out who is the president of the NFDC this week. So it stops today. I'm washing my hands of the whole sorry business. I'm switching the microscope through which I have studied recent developments for a telescope through which to view this already distant galaxy from afar. I'm going back to writing about demolition and not about the unamusing sideshow it brings with it. I'm going back to constantly working, honing my craft, tirelessly inventing and reinventing demolition news and to giving our readers, viewers, listeners and subscribers precisely what they want. And as far as I'm concerned, Andrew Ridgely can go back to posing with his guitar, which may or may not be plugged in.
Thanks for listening. Demolition News Radio, dedicated to demolition. 